Hello, and welcome to Smart Supply Chain, a podcast produced by ALOM, featuring industry experts offering insight and clarity on a variety of supply chain topics. I'm your host, Jennifer Duell. As an environmentally and socially conscious global supply chain services provider, ALOM offers Six Sigma quality, technology leadership, flexibility, and true customer focus. ALOM delivers its clients' products flawlessly, enriching the end user experience and upholding their brand reputations. Our guest expert for this episode of Smart Supply Chain is Lisa Dolan, ALOM's Vice President of Supply Chain Strategy, and we're going to be talking about reverse logistics, also known as returns management. Thanks for being here today, Lisa. Thank you for having me, Jen. We're going to be talking about returns management, which is actually (laughs) a little bit of a topic that's dear to my heart because as everybody knows who's been listening to the podcast, I am an avid online shopper as everyone in the world is these days. And it's a blessing and a curse, I like to say, because a lot of what goes out eventually needs to come back. How would you define returns management? What is everything that falls under the returns management umbrella? For me, returns management starts very early on in the process of actually making and designing the product itself. And so I like to think it's part of the overall life cycle. And so it's designing with intention and sustainability. There's a lot of IT involved with a lot of the returns process itself as far as generating those return labels electronically. There's the logistics management. There's the bringing it in and doing a triage. Is it buyer's remorse? Does it need to be reworked or refurbished in any way? There's a lot of repackaging that goes into reverse logistics. There's the third-party selling of the second-hand type stock, a grade B stock, and the whole resale portion of it. And then, of course, there's the recycling and scrap that goes with that. So it's interesting that you feel like the returns management process starts so early with even the design of the product. When you say that, are you talking about designing a product and the sustainability where people don't want to return it? Or are you talking about products that are designed and sustainable in the sense that they can be returned easily because there are different pieces that can be returned? It's all of that, right? And so it's A, building a quality product first and foremost. And then in that design of packaging and the packaging optimization. And so can you design the product so that what it's shipped out in, it can be turned around and shipped back in? There's a lot of companies that have try and buy programs, especially in the electronic industry. And so if you can design up front and think about the return aspect of whatever product you're selling. It's just so beneficial. So it's making sure that you're using sustainable and recyclable components in what you're making, whether it's electronics, consumer goods, those types of things. So knowing that your components that you're using are A, quality and not going to fail in the field, and B, you're sustainable. And 
can be recycled as it goes through its life cycle. You had mentioned the clothing industry. I'm going to make an assumption that clothes are one of the most returned items, but does every organization have to deal with returns? Absolutely. In EMEA, it's a little different because the concept of returns is not as prolific in Europe as it is in the U.S. But anyone making a product absolutely is thinking about, okay, now I need to support my customer. It's that whole customer satisfaction and delight. Returns are a big aspect and people are looking at that when they're buying their products. Can I return this easily? What is the return policy? And they're making buying decisions based on that return policy. And so companies that are excelling really are giving some thought to, all right, how are we going to deal with it when it comes back? I'm looking here at the stats. The majority of shoppers, 78% have had to return their purchases. And most shoppers are unwilling to pay for their returns. 53% of customers believe the retailer should cover the cost of returns. And then we get into 92% of respondents say a brand's returns policy sways their purchase decision at least some of the time, which is just what you were talking about. (laughs) And then 62% of shoppers are unwilling to shop with a retailer that provides a poor returns experience. Now, I know for a fact that as a consumer, I am, like you said, looking at the return policy, how long I get to return it, do I have to pay for it? I'm not one of the shoppers that's unwilling to pay for returns. I think that makes sense, but I don't want to pay 40 bucks to return something. I have what I would characterize as my acceptable limit of expense to return a package. And then I absolutely am unlikely to shop with a retailer that provides a poor return experience. I just don't see why you would do that when there are others that are working so hard on it. Any commentary or any thoughts on all those stats I just threw out there? Is any of that kind of surprising to you? No, not really, because it is all about the consumer experience, right? And these are your customers and you want to make it. And I think the companies that really excel and can manage that are the top of the pack in sales and revenue generation and overall customer satisfaction. Again, a lot of it goes into the quality of the product you're selling, right? And the cost of what you're selling. And so, especially on a more expensive electronic component, a computer, a monitor, those types of things, if you're selling a quality product, the chances are of that coming back, you have, it's lower, it's much, much lower in your costs, but your costs are higher to return those items too. I think a lot of people are thinking about returns as mostly with online purchases. And that's certainly the case. I'm curious if you feel like returns and returns management, how it's evolved. We even look at, let's say 20 years ago, 20 years ago being 2003, which is crazy when you think about that. I was shopping online in 2003, but I don't recall, quite honestly, if I was returning a lot of things that I was buying online. Like if I was buying something online, I was sure that I wanted to keep it your approach. Yeah. Do you feel like the attitude about returns has changed? 
It absolutely has. And it goes back to the companies that really wanted to gain market share. So Amazon makes returns super easy. And I love the approach of you don't have to ship it back. You can walk into a drop-off center, you can go to Kohl's, and then they aggregate it and reduce the overall time it takes. And I think they're very successful at it. Costco from a big box brand would let anyone return anything. They didn't even need a receipt back in the early days. And again, it was all in trying to gain that market share and really make that customer experience a wow experience. And so I think that changed consumers' mindsets here in the U.S. If so-and-so does it, why doesn't this company do it? And so I do think that has led to a big migration towards returns. But I think as consumers are evolving, taking a look at spending and sustainability, I think every corporation is on a sustainability journey right now. And returns really does add to that carbon footprint. And so if you can return things in a different way or not return them at all, I think people are more open and thinking about that a lot more. Where does cost and sustainability converge? I mean, is it, if you are doing things in a sustainable way, does that actually mean that your returns management process is more efficient and more even cost efficient? I'm curious because there's something to be said for not having a lot of returns, the sustainability of that. So where do they converge? Yeah, you want to drive down your total cost of returns, but there's this whole circular economy where you can turn around and like a lot of our customers refurbish and there's a whole secondary market for those refurbished parts that are perfectly good it just maybe needed a firmware update or it had one bad processing chip. I do think that there are ways from a cost standpoint that you can turn around and sell that product twice and cover those costs of your reverse logistics. And so the key in doing those types of programs is to place your returns and repair centers close to your markets so that you can reduce your overall logistics costs. The concept of the circular economy seems to be one that's increasing in momentum. Would you agree about that? Absolutely. It always comes back to that sustainability. And because there has been so much emphasis lately on sustainable practices that I think consumers are looking at not necessarily buying everything new. I do think customers are driving a lot of that. Certainly companies want to drive that circular economy for their products if they have a product that obviously can be refurbished and resold in a secondary market. But especially as the economy, we've got high inflation, people are looking at ways of reducing their own costs for products that they're buying. And a refurbished product is one way to do that. I do think the market is ripe for it right now. And at the end of the day, it's about reducing your cost as a company. If you're looking at a piece of hardware, it could just be that it needs a new power supply or one of the components just needs to be replaced, but it's gently used. And there's value in that 
secondary market, whether it's them selling it themselves on their websites as a refurbished part, or it's pushed out through like an overstock.com or a third party reselling company. A lot of Successful companies have amazing call centers that do some diagnostic upfront, and that decides where the product goes. You know, there's a lot of decisions that can be made upfront that'll help drive those costs down. What makes returns management so costly? Is it the most difficult? I'm trying to get a sense of where returns management fits in the complexity continuum, for lack of a better word. I kind of like that, the complexity continuum. I love that. That's great. Yeah, it's super complex. And it's because of the variability of the parts that come in. It becomes costly because it's hard to automate a process because you're having to physically stop and look at it and do a triage. And so finding ways to triage before it gets to our dock obviously can help cut down on the cost of that particular return because parts do come in and somebody has to physically look at it, plug it in, test it if it's an electronic component. What does it look like? No matter how robust your data is in sending out those mailing labels and the packaging, half the time the consumer doesn't even bother with the label. They're handwritten, they're Sharpies. But if you set clear returns policies, you can definitely drive some automation in that sense. But once the box is opened, all automation pretty much goes out the window depending on the product, right? And so the more expensive, the larger the product, the number of moving parts, it it makes it tough to automate. It requires people. It can't all be done via technology. It requires someone to be looking at something and making a judgment call. This is a labor-intensive part of the supply chain process, but it also, with given the shortages in the workforce and not having a wide pool of people to choose from who are looking for jobs, that makes it even more complex. It does make it complex. I think we're really fortunate in that we've got amazing staff And we make the returns fun or we try to make the returns fun because it is labor intensive and trying to attract staff in general for companies is a struggle for everyone these days. And so it definitely pays to be an employer of choice and having that culture where people do want to come in and returns frankly, is quite interesting. At least I think so. Tell (laughs) me about all this. Why do you think it's so interesting? I think it's interesting because it's never the same day twice. It's like supply chain in general. It's like that moment of, we talk about in the customer experience, surprise and delight. Well, it's the same way out on the floor. You open the box and you're like, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Or that's not even what they were supposed to have returned. So I think (laughs) in a lot of people's heads, if something gets returned, they're going to get credit, whether it's their thing or not, or Some heavy users like yourself, Jen, may have two or three returns and completely flip them up. And so it becomes a big game of clue sometimes out on the floor. 
And now I'm feeling guilty. (laughs) No, don't feel. I'm feeling terribly guilty. What are some of the more interesting returns that, that you have heard about? Or like one of the more interesting return situations that you yourself have been in personally? So I think our most interesting return was a gentleman who had, I have strict NDA, so I can't talk about the customer, but this particular product allowed for the insurance company basically to track his driving. His rates, instead of going down, apparently must have gone up and he wasn't all too happy about it. So he took his return of his device. And so it's a device that goes into the vehicle. Right. Um, and I know exactly what you're talking about. It's so, to, to monitor your, your driving. driving. Yeah, your your speed, yeah. braking, all of that. His insurance actually went up. And so, so like by doing this, most people know that they have this product in their car and actually are on their best behavior. This This guy guy... was behavior all the way around. And (laughs) so we got back this device. It was in a box and then they had taken the box and made, and it's a small device, maybe two by four. And then they put a note inside the box, but then they took, what had to have been three rolls of duct tape, duct taped it. Then they actually used zip ties, zip tied, and then duct taped some more. And they left, yeah, the note was interesting in and of itself. The gentleman was clearly disturbed. (laughs) So that's our all-time favorite. And I think at our clients, that's the top of their leaderboard too. That was probably... That's yeah, my so all time. How hunt. do you express <laughs> your displeasure? How do you just, dis- and I'm like, tape. wow. And what I loved <laughs> is that our team was so curious as to what was inside. It could have been a bomb for all we knew, but the team oh my gosh, was so excited to get to the middle of this thing that, yeah, made everybody so, you know, day. I mean, part of the complexity continuum or like the difficulty yes. with returns management, again, is that like anything could be coming back in that box. I'm sure anything could been... be coming back in that box. So when we think about returns management, is it primarily a B2C concern or do we also see that returns management is increasingly important on the B2B side, that businesses are returning products as well? Yeah, no, it's important on all sides. I think the volume and the randomness typically comes from the consumer. The B2B returns are typically warranty returns. And so most companies who have business to business model have that whole process mapped out. And there is some automation in there because there's troubleshooting, there's a warranty department, there's tech support going on. And so a lot of that is troubleshooted. And so we know the issue um, before the return comes in and that part's automated. And so the business to business returns are more mature and they're better able to be automated. And so we enjoy those. When you're talking with customers and potential customers, what are they trying to achieve most with their supply chain? I mean, we talked about the cost of it. We talked about complexity. We talked about, you know, sustainability. But then there's that whole, if there's a bad returns process experience, 
that reflects poorly on you. So, I mean, it seems like it would have to be balancing all of these things. It's absolutely balancing the customer experience and wanting that customer to feel like they care about the return aspect of it. But at the end of the day, for every company, it's about the cost and then the sustainability aspect. And if you can make the return or the product itself in a sustainable manner and think about that process at the beginning of life cycle of that product, those are the companies that are winning in the returns race as far as cost and process improvements. And so it starts absolutely upfront, thinking about the whole end-to-end supply chain of what you are making those parts recyclable, figuring out innovative ways throughout the different troubleshooting to manage that return, whether it goes straight to recycling, if it does go back to the OEM, figuring out those trigger points early on, and then bringing those return centers closer to the customer so that you can reduce the overall logistics. If we were to talk about on a B2C basis or maybe the retailer basis, that would be why some of the retailers are turning some of their actual bricks and mortar or their physical locations, creating pretty big return centers for them and why Amazon has its partnership with Kohl's and the drop-off locations. Yes, absolutely. And if you can aggregate those, whether it's a UPS store or a Kohl's or a FedEx ship location, if you can aggregate and get your product in mass, it cuts down on all of those individual shipments that are going out and doing some of that upcycle early on. Returns management seems to me where perhaps I'm overstating it, but it seems a part of the supply chain where it can be the messiest. We've talked about complexity of it, but it seems like it's also a really big risk area where you run the danger of making the situation worse with your returns management process, right? It's an opportunity to show your customer a good experience, but there's a lot involved in that experience. It's not just the return label or having the way that they have to send it back, but it's also how their money is refunded and how long it takes. So when you think about all those things, it seems to me like there's more of an opportunity to actually mess things up. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, it touches every aspect of your business. And so it's not just the physical. I love that you brought up the point of the financial, financial implications that go along with that. And I think that's why more and more people are starting to at least try to recoup a fraction of the freight in getting it back. But returns are expensive and they take space and space is a premium right now. The actual physical space of it and the time involved, that's also not just the time related to someone going through the actual return itself and looking at the physical return, but everything that comes after it. Exactly. It's tough. Because it's such a challenging part of supply chain, seems to me like I would want to work with a supply chain partner that really knows how to do this. Absolutely. And I think the people need to have a supply chain partner that has the technology because technology is playing an 
increasingly important role in reverse logistics. So at ALOM, you know, we have the ability to track things from the moment it ships out as a good product all the way through and being able to take that data on returns and identifying issues up front. And so you really want a partner who's fully integrated with your supply chain, both forward and reverse, because you can then take that data and start to use the data to drive decisions that are going to be impactful when it comes to cost. And so learning of those issues up front and taking that data is highly important. If you were to give one tip to an organization that's really struggling with reverse logistics and their returns management, what would you tell them? What would be like your number one tip? It would be to stop, think, use the data that you do have. If you don't have data about why things are failing, that should be priority number one. Understand why the customer's returning right? Is it buyer's remorse? Is it you're having an issue from a quality standpoint? It's looking at the data first and foremost, and then mapping out that whole process for the consumer. What is it like for you? What is it like for your reverse logistics partner? What's it like for the consumer? And then driving those costs down from there. I guess you just mentioned something That might be a good message to leave our listeners with, which is that you can learn a lot from your returns. You can learn a whole lot from your returns. It's, yeah, like I said, data is everything. And it takes an entire village to drive your returns down. This is where that technology comes in and having the tools in place to let the data drive decisions at a very granular level and tell you about issues before they become really big issues. Awesome. Anything else that you think we should chat about related to returns management and reverse logistics? I think we covered a lot of ground today. Thanks, Jen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Supply Chain. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information or to contact ALOM, go to alom.com. That's A-L-O-M dot com.